You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 88, Shrek, the Anti-Fairy Tale. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in your between. We're your hosts, Fiona the Princess, Shrek the Ogre, and Donkey. Wait a second. Why am I donkey? Which, which one of us is donkey? Oh, it's just understood already that Chelsea's donkey. It's already yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like it. Shrek! Oh my goodness. I'm here, guys. I'm getting better, getting better. Hopefully. Chelsea is a trooper. Aww. Two episodes in a row, she's been sick. Oh, so sad. We're so glad you're here. And we're so glad you, we listener, are here. If she did. <laughs> yeah. This is the Animation Addicts Podcast, and we are a podcast devoted to our love of animated films, past or present. This time, we are going slightly back in the past to a very, very good time in animation history, especially for DreamWorks. We are talking about Shrek. And I know... This is a long overdue episode. I I was just going to say that. People have been asking us, wait, why? I thought you haven't done that one yet? Really? Like, yeah, really, really. Really, really. I know. I, it's it's so surprising that this is kind of such a basic CG animated film, and it was really influential, and we haven't done it. But, you know, Shrek is love, and Shrek is life, so we have to do it. I believe in self-assertion, destiny, or slight diversion. Now it seems I've got my head on straight. I'm a freak, an apparition, seems I've made the right decision, Try to so we've already established that Shrek is love and Shrek is life, and uh, he's the most MLG of all the Swamp Ogres. Um, so this was DreamWorks' second CG animated feature, like all CG. The first one, of course, was Ants with a Z, and then Shrek was like the first CG, like totally original CG film from DreamWorks, or was it? Shrek was all uh, was actually uh, based off of a book, like a children's yeah. book. That is the the DreamWorks way. Like Disney, they take classic fairy tales, and DreamWorks has always, from the kind of very beginning, they've adapted from books. I mean, the Bible, this book where Shrek came from. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I I like I like movies that are based off of books because normally they have a lot more depth to them. So how so how does a book have more depth than just an original film? Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of times, especially if they, you know, if they're like a longer book or a longer, like a book part of a series, there's a lot more thought that goes into the setting. There's a lot more thought that it goes into like just different dialogue. I just feel like it has a lot more to go by as opposed to, I don't know. I just feel like I've noticed that as something that's just one of the things I notice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can have your opinions. Thank you. you yeah, are so this welcome. was directed by this was directed by Andrew Adamson and Vicky Jensen. So uh, Andrew Adamson, he went on to be like a producer for DreamWorks for a long time, and then Vicky Jensen came on as a story artist. I think she was like the third director that they brought in. There was like a second director, but but it didn't work out, and so they brought in Vicky Jensen. And I was looking through all the uh, the directors for all the DreamWorks films, and there are actually more. DreamWorks had more female directors for the animated films than, than Pixar. I think Pixar had like halfway Brenda Chapman for Brave and then she left. And so, um, on Twitter this week, I was 
reading up a lot about, you know, women in the workplace, but particularly in animation and how they're underrepresented in, in management positions. So I was like, hmm, DreamWorks has actually has more female directors than Pixar. So it's another reason for DreamWorks haters out there to cool it. <laughs> DreamWorks, DreamWorks does some good stuff. Yeah, they do. It does. And I'm completely ruling out things like producers and story writers, but just looking at directors, DreamWorks has more. So this film had a budget of $60 million. And looking at that today, you know, 15 years later, it's like, wow, that was right on target. Really, you know, right on the money. Uh, basically, it was kind of standard at the time. But it went on to make $484 million, almost a half million dollars. And then as we know, the franchise went on to make even more money, uh, close to a billion dollars with some of the sequels. Um, but this was just such a hit for DreamWorks. This really, they knocked it out of the park. It was everything they needed and wanted this film to be. And me as, you know, a film goer, I loved this movie. Oh, I absolutely yeah. love this movie. I remember the very first time we went and saw it, Morgan and I, a couple other people too. And it was, it was like, the, I know. <laughs> it was so much fun. And then we sorry. were dying in the theater. Like, we really were laughing <laughs> because we were like the Disney nerds and we knew it. And, and so we got all the jokes. And I'm not, this isn't even like necessarily Disney. It's just fairy tale. Anyone who ever grew up with any fairy tale knowledge or, you know, the parents reading them fairy tales, you get the jokes. And so yeah. just, just the way that they were just able to poke and prod and make fun and extort. Oh, like I remember looking at you and just kind of going, this is awesome. I know. <laughs> it was like, we were just, oh, I, I still remember the moment when she changes at the end. Spoiler. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, the toes, the uh, toes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a moment I very distinctly have a memory with Chelsea. Oh, is that like an allusion to Beauty and the Beast? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. That was kind of our Disney geek out. We looked at each other. We said, no way. Get the toes. <laughs> Such nerds back then. Little chibi, chibi Morgan and chibi Chelsea. Back then, for real. (laughs) Boy, that boy, that was a long time ago. Y'all been friends for like way too long. Oh, we need two thousand and one. Before then, honey, we've known each other since about ninety seven. Yeah. Wow. It's good times. So many years in the making. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mason? What are your initial thoughts about this film? Oh man, I think I saw it in theaters, but I remember watching it over and over again on VHS. Mm-hmm. Like we we loved it at our house. Yes. It which which is strange cuz looking back and watching it again now, there is a lot of adult humor and there's a lot of cursing in it too. Yeah. You know, like PG-13 yes, cursing like <laughs> What was its rating PG or G? PG. G. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Definitely. Not there, there's too much cussing for you even <laughs> to consider it a G. <laughs> yeah, so PG. Um, yeah, this was like way back in 2001, and I really did not see any other animated film that year in theaters besides Shrek. I really didn't, like, because Spirited Away came out in 2001, and my parents would let me watch Japanese animation. <laughs> and uh, so did Waking Life, which is too adult, and then Atlantis uh, and Osmosis Jones came out. Oh, ooh, we saw Recess Schools Out. We definitely saw <laughs> oh. that one. I'm a, oh, I was a huge Recess fan for uh, ABC's One Saturday Morning. Oh, yeah. That and funny. Pepper Ann, man. And then other than that, there was like Lady and the Tramp 2, which I didn't think had a theatrical release, and then Mm, (laughs) Land Before Time 8. I always like to, (laughs) I always like to compare these films with which Land Before Time sequel was out at the time (laughs) of its release. (laughs) If we were into the double digits yet or what. Well, one interesting thing about this is it 
it goes back even further than that. I mean, Steven Spielberg was originally going to produce this film in 1991, but then, you know, that was when he was in charge of Amblimation, but it just never worked out. It was going to be hand-drawn, and it was actually going to have Bill Murray as Shrek and Steve Martin as Donkey. I mean, can you just take a moment and think about that for a second? Why did they go with Steve Martin again after Prince of Egypt? You know, I don't know. I have no idea, but they did not. (laughs) They did not. Um, Very different feature. Yeah, it was also going to be hand drawn, wasn't it? It it was, yeah. Um, And then it actually went through quite a few different changes. The next time they were going to have Chris Farley as Shrek, but then he almost—he actually had about ninety percent of his lines finished, but then he died right before, and so. That's when it brought in good old Mike Myers. Mike Myers, yeah. They did changes with him. Like, he first did it without any kind of accent, mm-hmm. and it just kind of didn't work. And then they were like, oh, I'll do it with a Scottish accent. So he, <laughs> he put on this crazy Scottish accent that reminded me of his, him, of his grandmother, uh, supposedly. <laughs> and I would like to see a reel of the original audio of Chris Farley as Shrek. I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been, been awesome. really weird. Chris Farley. Because Chris Farley has always played kind of the dopey character, and Shrek's, like, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way it was portrayed. Don't do drugs, way. kids. Don't do it. Don't do drugs. My goodness. <laughs> but this one did go on and win. You know, the it was the inaugural winner of Best Animated Feature from the yeah. Academy Awards. The very first. <laughs> totally it, it, deserved it. Uh-huh. Well, it, went, it actually went up against Monsters Incorporated and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. I didn't even know they had a movie for that. But <laughs> most importantly, it. Monsters Incorporated, and it beat it. Yeah. Beat it! Yeah, and then the production was very was very long. At first, uh, Katzenberg didn't like Andrew Adamson's like direction for the whole thing. Because apparently the early drafts, they featured a lot, a lot more sexual jokes instead of chess sexual jokes. Oh. And, uh, they had like things like music from like Guns N' Roses and it was very adult oriented and it went against Katzenberg wanting to appeal to both audiences or I don't know, but apparently Katzenberg found his approach quote unquote outrageous. And I'm at the same time, I'm like, hell yeah, we never see sexual jokes in DreamWorks films. <laughs> and actually there was definitely Guns N' Roses in, in Megamind. Hey, so they kind of finally got their wish. <laughs> I would say Guns N' Roses worked more for Megamind than for Shrek. Megamind oh, for sure. is even more outrageous a character than Shrek is. In fact, by then the movie, Shrek's not that outrageous a character, which uh, will bring me into a Mason theory in a while, but we'll hold off on that. Yeah, at one point it was supposed to be a like live-action CG hybrid using a lot of mocap, and uh, when that didn't work, there was, like, some tests that totally failed. Katzenberg hated it. And they turned to PDI, which was the studio that recently shut down. Lord Aww. bless and keep those poor souls. And, uh, and I'm not joking. It was tragic. And um, they headed the production for the final CG look. And um, if, you, if you'll bear with me, getting a little technical as, as a guy who likes to do rigging and stuff we for CG. We love when you get technical, and so do the audience. So okay, never so- apologize for being you. You do okay. you. Oh, thanks, Morgan. Gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so I'm a, I'm a technical 3D animation kind of guy. That's what I'm going to school for. So I, I watched it in HD uh, over iTunes. I think, okay, so 2001, so like the technology was not as advanced as it is now. It wasn't bad because there was a lot of animation stuff that stood out. But um, they did a lot of the hair and cloth stuff done in a kind of a new program back in 2001 called Autodesk Maya. And of course, if you know anything about animation production, then you you know exactly what Maya is. 
And uh, it's funny because that means you can literally do the same thing that they achieved in this film at home, provided you know what you're doing. And that's totally theoretical. I'm not trying to demean what the work of the artists. But yeah, I mean, we're talking 31 sequences with 36 different environments. And that's a lot. And that comes out to about 1,280 shots total. Like I said, the technology shows its age, but things like um, like Shrek's facial animations... Like the riggers went in and they they divide they they created a a muscle system for his face that was very advanced for the time, where if if Shrek looked down and talked, then he would get a double chin like you and I get, you know, unless you've had some heavy Botox or liposuction. But it still shines, and and Shrek himself, his facial rig is very emotive compared to the other characters, like human characters. I have a huge beef with the human characters in this film. I do not think that they're as expressive <laughs> as. Maybe they could have been, but but then again, you know, te- technological limitations of the day. Where's the beef? Oh, there's plenty of beef this episode. The lighting and color is really good in, the, in this film. You know, it's like the directors knew that the technology wasn't quite as advanced to pull off, like, really stunning character animation, so they compensated by having some really beautiful uh, light setups and, and coloring. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I remember when I first saw this, I was, you know, not clearly as educated and, you know, an, an, a master of animation and art and whatnot. I'm still not, you know, but I just remember being blown away. The texture on this, just I remember looking at Shrek's face and thinking, oh, my gosh, he has pores, which is <laughs> yeah. something that that amount of detail we hadn't seen before. And and you do know, you do notice where they put the majority of their effort and work. Shrek is number one priority he gets the most amount of detail. And then Fiona, and then I think Donkey. I, I think Donkey's very rudimentary in a way uh, compared to at least Shrek. Um, kind of yeah. boxy and, and whatnot. But that's kind of the, the what makes him cute. Well, but as Donkey, Mason said, the was humans a... are bad. <laughs> Anything who's not at one of those three trio uh, and, and Farquaad, it's just like... Lord Farquaad! Ultimate box. Boxy box. He hoofed and he poofed. But yeah, uh, Donkey actually was a kind of a real technological challenge for the CG artist because he's covered in fur. And, um, that really wasn't something that was, um, that was really far advanced back in 2001, from what I understand. And so it, it took a lot of work to really get his fur down and not only do that, but to program it to look a certain way when it was wet or when it was matted or twisted or, you know, flowing, you know. Oh, well, there's a part where Shrek yells at Donkey, and it's it's kind of dramatic, but Donkey's hair kind of flies back like he's being blown back by a fan. And so effects like that um, were really challenging back in the day, and I I think they did fairly well. You know, of course, this, these were the days before, like, global illumination, so you can tell the difference in the shots where they did ray tracing and, and non-ray tracing. Um, you can see differences in the lighting, and, you know, Toy Story had it, too. But yeah, I totally agree about people like like characters like Fiona and Farquaad. If it weren't for the dynamic nature of the vo- of the actors giving them the, their voices, all of those characters would have fallen really flat. And you know what I noticed was that that captain, that guard captain guy who's taking all the money for the uh, fairy tale creatures, you know, five shillings for the possessed toy, take him away, you know, that guy. Yeah. Voiced by Jim Jim Cummings, like he's re- that really shows its age, you know. Of course, that's, yeah. that's not a that's not a hero character, as they say in the industry. But 
I don't even know if they say that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> Mason says it. <laughs> well, I know this hero assets like a hero object that's closer to the camera as far as in the background and those differences in detail and the texture. But anyway, yeah, so he definitely shows his age with like how he's animated and stuff. But, you know, I criticize it, but it, it's really just commentary on how far technology has come. Like look at Shrek and then look at um, Shrek Forever After or even um, freaking How to Train Your Dragon 2. And boy, howdy. Um, boy, howdy. Animation technology's got come a long way. Well, one thing, you know, you're saying that, and as I was watching this, yes, you know, if you really sat there and looked at it, you would think, oh, yeah, dated. But the story is so good oh my that gosh. you don't care. You know, you don't nitpick, yeah. and there's no need to. Like, you're just, you're in the story. You're not bored and then looking at the animation. You care about the story, which is really, I mean, that... That's all yeah. you need. As long as you have good story and amazing voice actors, which this these three leads are so good. Yeah, they are. It yeah. could be, you know, a five-year-old could be animating it, for heaven's sake, and it would still be so good. You would be into it, right? <laughs> I would be it's, into it, yeah. I get the same feeling as when I watched the original Toy Story with this film. Yes, Toy Story is very dated. However, it's so good you don't care. Princess, where are you? It's very spooky in here. I'm playing no games. Well, at least we know where the princess is. But where's the dragon? DreamWorks Pictures invites you to a land of fairy tales. Hey! Oh, no, 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 no. Dead girl off the table. Where's the pasta butter? The bed's taken. What? Where an unlikely hero. Ah! You definitely need some Tic Tacs or something because your breath stinks. Rescues a fair princess. You didn't slay the dragon? It's on my to-do list. From a nasty villain. Eat me! With the help of his trusty companion. This is going to be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Ah! This summer... One name spells action. You're not exactly what I expected. One name spells adventure. How about him? Before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. One name. Don't look down. I'm looking down. Spells romance. There's no way to behave in front of a princess. She's as nasty as you are. Come on! Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. You love this woman, don't you? Yes. You want to hold her? Yes. Please. Yes. Then you got that, got that part of little peasant there. Shrek. Wow. Let's do that again. No, no. The quotes are just incredible. Like, so many quotes. Oh. <sighs> Quotable quotes. This is almost as quotable as Robin Hood. I just always remember quoting everything from this movie as I was watching again this time. Just wanted to quote everything. Wanted to just basically have the script along, you know, follow along. Um, So good. Props to everyone involved in making Shrek. And, you know, the sad thing about Shrek is that they've really uh, demoralized Shrek in a way by just, you know, sequel after sequel after sequel after musical after this after that. And it, it really loses its punch. But, you know, just ignoring 
the other stuff, this as a standalone film is just really great. It really is. And, and Shrek 2 wasn't that bad. I saw Shrek 3 in theaters, to, total waste of eight bucks. But, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I actually didn't care to see Shrek Forever After. But I've heard that Puss in Boots, uh, one of the, you know, the offshoots was, was really good. Uh, I didn't like it as much, but that's okay. All right, we all should right. do, we should just do Shrek 2 next week, Shrek 3 the week after, Shrek 4, and then... <laughs> Dude, Shrek is love and Shrek is life. <laughs> we have never gone and just done four straight movies. I don't know how the uh, audience would feel about two, two months of Shrek, but <laughs> I'm totally down since we don't have an idea for our next episode. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't mind doing Shrek 2, but, like, Shrek 3 and Shrek 4, like, when you start getting into that, yeah. like, we'll just do our Ogre series. <laughs> this is the Ogre series. <laughs> if the Chinese Zodiac had an ogre in it, an, an ogre sign, we would be doing that. Happy Chinese New Year, by the way. We just had it. Ah, so. But, yeah, um, and then another great thing, well, there's the story, then there's the whole style of the film. It's just this, like, in-your-face, irreverent parody and satire of everything you thought, everything you know about fairy tales. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, that includes Disney movies, but I would mostly say fairy tales. Like, they don't so much take a stab at Disney as they do the absurdity of fairy tales. Exactly. I would call and, this uh, the anti-fairy tale. It's an anti-fairy tale, exactly, Chelsea. And um, down to the storybook opening at the beginning. <laughs> so uh, good. Yes. I what a Luda. <laughs> I re- that that was one of those other moments where it's like from that point on Morgan and I were just glued to this movie. So I don't floor. think I, I don't think I caught this on before, but I think I did now. Did he rip the page off and wipe his butt with yes, it? Is he that, did. Okay, that was the okay. That's the Sears that was the sound effect I heard. <laughs> Sears and Rose butt catalog. <laughs> Got nothing on this. It, and from the very beginning, it sets the tone oh, of man. what to and expect. It, it starts with Smash Mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So from the very beginning, it sets the tone of what to expect. Um, and I think Mason used the exact terminology perfectly. Irreverent. This film is irreverent. And then, you know, we go into potty humor. So that's established potty again. Potty humor rules. <laughs> and then Smash Mouth, which is, uh, dates it. it. It does date it. I, I think it's perfect for this film, but looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. 1999. <laughs> you know, Smash Mouth was actually our jam, though. Ni- 1999. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I remember that song was on all the time, especially Radio Disney, which I was totally a fan of Radio Disney <laughs> at the time. You would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won a couple things on there, too, I remember. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. No, totally did. Not so as, talented. Chuck. Not as much as our other friend Alex won. She won some pretty cool stuff on there, I remember. But anyway, the song All Star was going like they had it in the opening credits just as a placeholder for test audiences until they could find a new song that would actually fit but then the test audiences loved it so much that the producers kept it and then they were like okay well since we had smash mouth start it we'll have them finish it too and they had him come in and sing i'm a believer at the end so i appreciated that i thought it was a good like bookend like all right good added some good uniformity to the irreverence (laughs) but it was great (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously it couldn't be a musical because it was an anti-fairy tale movie. Right. But it, it did make some good use of the music. Like, I, I like the soundtrack and I love the score for the film. Yeah. You know the Fiona suite? You know the Fiona theme? Do-do-do. Yeah. That's thanks to Harry Gregson Williamson and John Powell. Don't know him. Um, you don't know John Powell? 
Sorry, not the music guy for uh, this podcast. Okay, John Powell, you may remember him from such movies as How to Train Your Dragon, How to Train uh, Your Dragon too. And basically, did he, did he write that song awesome. between? Um, did you, did he write that song between Stoic and um, you know Hiccup's mom? Um, I don't know if he wrote that one. He I don't, basically. I don't know. I don't remember the name of Hiccup's mom, but I know there's Dragons fans that are screaming into their iPods right now. He <laughs> is a huge. What? Huge composer. Let me just yeah. read you some of the things he's done recently. How to Trade Your Dragons three. He's you know since he's done one and two, he's slated confirmed three. people. He's I'm slated to do Disney Zootopia coming out next year. Oh, Kung dude. Fu Panda three, Rio two, Ice Age, The Lorax, Happy Feet two, Kung uh, Book of Dragons. Basically DreamWorks, Disney, Blue Sky. He doesn't care what studio you're Pixar, from. Pixar, Don Bluth, and he's everything. He's gonna in do it. Basically, yeah. I mean, he's he a rotoscoper. Is, he might as he's well. He's a rotoscoper for music. <laughs> well, let's have him on the show then. We totally hey, um, okay, so I got an, okay, new, new plan for the next two episodes. Since it's Chinese New Year, China, let's just do Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2 back to back. Boom. Done. Got it. Boom, baby. Plus, Shanna's never seen it, so I want an excuse to show her it. <laughs> anyway, back to our regular scheduled programming. Okay, so I know nothing about composers. Thank you for educating us, Chelsea. You're and very welcome. But yeah, so that's cool. And I love the score and the songs, they work, you know, from, from Smash Mouth, you know, it's a, it's an anti-flag, you know, song, you know, it's a, it's very, it's very rebellious as far as pop songs go. And then Hallelujah, you know, at the low point is really song. touching. Who hates that song? Who doesn't like that song? I actually saw, Raise your hand. I saw a video or a clip, um, a clip of Bon Jovi where he was just talking about, he's like, man, that's one of the only songs out there that I'm like, I wish I would have written that one. But I mean, who, that one, it's fantastic. It's I beautiful. actually was looking into it and there was originally going to be like 80 verses to that song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we would have still like, guzzled it down. <laughs> I know. But then he like, shoved it into, you know, an, an appropriate amount of verses that we're able to actually um, take in. But, yeah, Il Devo does a good one. Oh, the Canadian tenors, they do an amazing job with that one. Check yeah. it out. And then when we went on a cruise, we there was an a cappella group who was really good. They do beatboxing for the parts that have to have music. And uh, uh-huh. they did an a cappella version of Hallelujah, and it was, ugh, everybody was, was chilled to the bone. But, yeah, so really good song placement. And then, you know, there's the journey music, the uh-huh, 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 you know that one? Uh-huh. And then it's kind of the same thing as the Ice Age one. You know, you know how how those kind of Odyssey films kind of have that journey song where they have to do the montage of them traveling. But anyway, it's just a little little music design that I like. And then uh, so many good quotes, like <laughs> right off the bat when those e- when those dumb villagers are trying to <laughs> take Shrek alive or something. Buck beast, I warn you. You know, and he's like, now ogres, they're much worse. They'll, they'll, uh, do something. And then he, he says a bunch of horrible things, but the one that always stood out to me is, shave your livers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if oh. a guy's got your liver in, in his hand, like, why are you worried that he's shaving it? I think it's the, the imagery that's supposed to be horrifying. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm overthinking it, but I, I've always liked that line, shave your livers. <laughs> Squeeze the jelly from your eyes actually goes quite good on toast. Well, I like that we're introduced to Shrek's character, that he just, he's funny. He, d- he doesn't he wants, fit in any fairy tale. He doesn't fit. He wants to be left alone. Um, he can definitely stand on his own. Like, these villagers are not going to take him down anytime soon. Like, <laughs> I love like, how he just rolls his a- eyes when he sees them. He's like, yeah. oh, I gotta get rid of these guys again. Yeah. <laughs> but yet then, you know, they, we go to a different part of the forest and there's a roundup of the fairy tale creatures. Yep, yep, yep. 
So did you guys, what, what are all the creatures that you caught in that scene? Cause there are so many. <laughs> I'm not a puppet. I'm a real boy. Yep. And Five I, I shillings lo- for the possessed toy. Geppetto is such a sellout. <laughs> he's a jerk. Desperate. I don't know, cat. man. Maybe he's hard up for five shillings, but <laughs> other other fairy tale creatures. There's a unicorn. Uh, oh, I didn't see the unicorn. More of a mythical creature. Yeah, he's being shoved into some sort of like cart. Uh, there are dwarves. There are oh, three bears. Oh, I love it because uh, the kid bear is in a cage. He's like, this cage is too small. <laughs> <laughs> So good. You just see like little glimpses and they give you a line that just makes you laugh. They go on to the three pigs. We see Peter Pan and I love that he, he the exact same voice. He can fly. <laughs> and he does the stance too. Which is, yeah. you know, one of those moments where they do explicitly uh-huh. rip off Disney. <laughs> so where does the talking donkey come in? Like what fairy tale is he in? This one. This one, yeah. The one where they uh, definitely capitalize and market and trademark him. <laughs> okay. So he comes from the... Sh- he's like a universe within a universe. Whoa. There was a talking donkey in the Bible, but the Bible is certainly not a fairy tale. So I guess that rules that out. Yes. But yes, that would but- go further into the conspiracy that all DreamWorks films are biblical. But- <laughs> really? <laughs> Throw the Disney theories out the window. We got a new DreamWorks theory, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to go viral, I'm sure. Megamind is actually the story of Saul and Paul. (laughs) There you go. Eddie Murphy always brings such fast-talking life to his films, you know, with Mulan. And I forget what he else was in. Was he the bat, Fern Gully? Yes, he was. No, that was Robin Williams. Um, but talking about Mushu in Mulan, because these were released, you know, a few years after each other, about three yeah. years. But which character is better? Mushu? Did he do a better job with Mushu? And you you got to take the character and then his voice acting from the character. Those are kind of two separate things. Or Ooh, Donkey. That's really I'm, hard I'm just going to gonna say Donkey. Donkey has so much more depth than lines and quotability. Yes, yeah. she was great, but Donkey is probably has way more screen time. Mm-hmm. So we get to see him develop and grow a little bit more, but this is his definitely his standout role to be. Yeah. If you want to get real deep into like literary stuff, which I, which I won't, but let's do Mushu it. is technically a deity. <laughs> so they yes. tend to be really one-sided in folklore. Yeah. And so maybe that like he has one flaw, he lied to to cover his incompetence and he kind of killed the great stone dragon and, and stuff like that. And so he was dishonest along with Mulan and Cricky, you know, hey, what are you a sheep? But anyway, um, everybody lies in Mulan. We should go back to that one. But yeah, um, I guess I like donkey better. I like them both. I don't, I try not to compare them, but if you force me to compare them, I like donkey better. All right. Shall say, I've seen a house flash, maybe know. even a super flash. Uh, that one, that take was it good. straight from Dumbo. <laughs> You've never seen a dumbo. Oh, that's just a, oh man, that's that's a we good one. Do I don't know. I that one's hard. That's a hard question to do. But I don't know. You don't have to answer. We can move uh, yeah. on. Yeah, let's move <laughs> on. But yeah, so many fairy tale critters. I like the lady who's like, he can talk. Come on, he's like, well, he's like, I talk all the time. I'm talking to this dang thing you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, do we just quote the whole movie? <laughs> we should. Uh, so and, and take you to a designated resettlement facility? Oh yeah, you and what army? I like poor Jim. The Cummings. American army. That's a good army. Yes. <laughs> Does anyone know that joke? I don't think anyone knows. That's a wait. A, a, a probably the Simpsons. Joke. 
<laughs> I remember the that one, though. Joke. No, it's from the show called Historia, I think. Yes! <laughs> There's one I episode where the guy's that. like, you in what army? The American army. Oh, that's, that's a good, good army. army. <laughs> Thanks, straight. <laughs> but yeah, all, all of them show up. They all show up at a swamp. I love just the ridiculousness, and here we go into my Mason theory, but the ridiculousness of how much Shrek hates all the fairy tale critters. He's so annoyed by them. Does he just hate you know? them or does he hate anything that walks and talks? Oh, I don't know. Well, Shrek has a lot of, he's trying to keep everyone out of the swamp. Yes. But I just love how anti fairy tale Shrek is because he's just annoyed by everything they do. Like, he hates when Donkey bursts into song. He, I love it when he's like going off to, to settle things with Lord Farquaad at the beginning and everyone's cheering him because that means they get their homes back and these birds, they whip up a, a cape of flowers and they put it on him and Shrek's like, no, no, like get it off of me. <laughs> I love little details like that. And then, um, <laughs> the classic, he runs in, what are we supposed to do? The bed's taken. And he walks in it. What? <laughs> <laughs> But in that moment, the movie points out, like, how ludicrous fairy tales really are. <laughs> a dog that eats a person and then impersonates that person in their bed. That's <laughs> that's ridiculous. And so uh, here's my Mason theory is that Shrek is perfect for this movie because he is the he is the one fairy tale creature that doesn't fit into a fairy tale. And so he's constantly at odds with, with stereotypes and fairy tales. And that's why he's so well suited as a hero. Because if you look at Shrek as a character, like he doesn't he doesn't really do a lot of things. he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Like physical strength, he's got plenty. And he's got confidence and fearlessness. Like, did you see him on the bridge on going in over the lava, you know? He did not care that the bridge could have snapped at any moment. And um he's got a lot of great qualities, but his one bad quality is that um you know, he's got some, he's got some, some love issues, man. He's gotta know what love is. Bee, 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 bee. So my theory is that like Shrek is like the perfect anti fairy tale because it, it, because in reality, fairy tales are just crazy, horrible, ludicrous stories, you know, that don't make sense. And so you, you need someone who actually sees that they don't make sense to overcome. Maybe not a theater, maybe theory, maybe it's just like a, uh, maybe just like a really complicated analysis. Yeah. But I think that's why Shrek works so much. And the, this movie works out so much because it points out the ridiculousness of, of things that we're so used to. Does it still work out though? What do you mean? Does the anti fairy tale still work? Well, no. here's the thing. I was oh, looking not at in this sense. <laughs> no, I don't think it, I don't think it works anymore. Like I don't think they can really do it anymore. Because After they hoodwinked too. Well, <laughs> I laugh, but maybe I'll end up working on the on hoodwinked three, so I'll stop. Yeah, Mason, bite your tongue. <laughs> but I just I feel like it's now that Shrek is there, it's been done. And I look at different, you know, I look at different audiences, younger audiences. If they watch Shrek, are they going to be as just? They're not going to be as laughing out loud as Morgan and I were that first time that we watched this movie. How Enchanted was kind of the same way. Enchanted yeah. kind of did the whole thing, but for the just for the princesses. Um, All right. They actually wanted to make Tangled to be that kind of movie too, but then it was Glenn Keane that was like, "Hey, hey, hey, let's actually like play this thing right and bring it kind of back." That um, a boy, Glenn. That a boy, Glenn. Um, but I feel like I I can watch Tangled 
over and over and over, and I can still get the exact same amount of joy out of it. I can still watch Enchan- Enchanted and get a good amount of joy out of that one. I mean, they Ugh, did a really I good can't. job with that one. Well, okay. He... I want to make a comment about what mm-hmm. you were talking about. Like, I agree. I think that Shrek was one of the first films to do this in this sort of sense that was just so slapstick and so, you know, all pop culture references up the wazoo and just making fun of the established norm, uh, and which basically we've been talking about, like people had come to accept and love up until this point. And then the other studios started catching on. Like mm-hmm. you said, Enchanted did it. And then it seems like every Disney princess movie that came out, you know, recently, it's like, how do we flip it on its head? Yeah. How do we not make it a traditional fairy tale? We can't have a damsel in distress because no, you know, and so... I think because everyone's no. trying to do just, <laughs> just because no. But, you know, I think for this movie to have the punch and the impact that it did for all three of us when we first saw it, mm-hmm. you would have to kind of have the same upbringing as us. You would have mm-hmm. to be raised just on classics and maybe when you're about 10, be shown Shrek. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? You can't grow up watching a- Shrek, Shrek like since you were three. Like, it's just, you're not going to get it. It's not going to be the same. Uh-oh. Yeah, and and I'll be the first to admit, like, my my sense of nostalgia is is a has a lot to do with why this film is so cherished to me. Like Sh- Shrek, the first Shrek is one of my top animated films of all time, mm-hmm. and I and I think I nostalgia plays into it. And I don't, and I, I'm not a big proponent of nostalgia. I'm just saying that um, that that's it's a big reason why this movie still holds up in my mind. Now, if you if you got a kid who uh, um, was raised on movies like Tangled and Frozen and uh, Wreck-It Ralph and stuff. And while Wreck-It Ralph is a satire on the image of a of a hero and what a hero should be, I don't think they would it would have the same impact on on them as as Shrek. Mm-hmm. I think Shrek has kind of lost its luster to a new audience. Although I that's definitely not proven or tested or or anything. Um, but I, I would I would bet that a lot of people who really love Shrek love it for nostalgia reasons. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was on Netflix one day, and I actually saw the they had the Shrek musical just oh, pop, no. pop up. Please please give us a report on that. <laughs> I will. And they I really, I went into it thinking, oh, this will be really cool. Because I'm thinking, you know, how you look at shows like Aladdin. You know, Aladdin, for whatever reason, because they're able to take all of those jokes that were really current at the time, and they took them out, and they put in new current jokes. I'm pretty sure it was like one of the original cast recordings, so that's why it's aged as much. And like, I think if they were to, they kept doing it, they would continue to keep things fresh a little bit. But at the same time, yeah. almost all of the maiden jokes that were in the movie are in the play, and they just don't come off the same. Now there's the fact that I've heard it before, and there's also the fact of delivery, but it's just. It's also, it's kind of like, I'm done, I, I've done this before. <laughs> um, that's really what, um, made me think about how Shrek has been dated and it can't have that same, um, punch as it did with us, which, like, you had to be there. Like, for this movie to have such an influence, you had to be us, I think. You had yeah. to be our, you know, between the age of, as we were saying, 10 and 12 or so to really get this. Or the parent of one of those yeah, 10 through 12-year-olds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And if if we want to take this discussion a step further, I don't even think Shrek 2 was 
was nearly the same movie as Shrek 1. Shrek was an anti-fairy tale, but Shrek 2 was was anti-pop culture of of that time because all of a sudden instead of instead of showing these fairy tale creatures and characters um in kind of a, a literal crazy way, they reimagined them for the for the modern world. Like Fairy Godmother was in Shrek 2. So and they kind of reimagined her as this like megalomaniac wish granting corporate, <laughs> you know, shark who ropes people into crazy deals and, and blackmails people. And she kind of represents uh, people who have a monopoly on commodities like wishes. Uh-huh. But at the same time, Shrek 2 had some really golden fairy tale characters like um, Puss in Boots, you know. But again, it was more of a reimagining, like, hey, what if Puss in Boots, instead of just, you know, I don't really know the original story, but what if he was like this, you know, suave Latin, you know, vengeful, kind of like that, that, uh, my name is so and so, you killed my father, prepared to die character <laughs> from Princess Bride. And I, I don't really pretend to know anything about the movie because I never saw it, but, um, Shrek 2 had so much pop culture and, and, and modern culture references that it, it lost the charm that Shrek 1 had. And, so well, they just keep making sequels and sequels can... and sequels. And Shrek 4 went a little back to the Shrek 1 formula because Rumpelstiltskin is very much himself. They don't really need to, they didn't really need to alter that character that much. But, um, again, I, I, I like Morgan said at the beginning, kind of bringing this to a close, I suppose, but I really think the anti fairy tale got way overdone and it, it kind of lost its charm because the novelty of it faded away after Shrek. You know, and there were shining part, there were shining stars like uh, Enchanted, you know, and um, <clears throat> Wreck-It Ralph, and then you know, Frozen in a few ways was anti Disney fairy tale, and and so it definitely pops up, but like, there's never been a comprehensive movie that just you know, like Shrek, irreverently lays waste to all these fairy tales that we've cherished. Well said. Put a period on the end of that one. Not my gumdrop buttons. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, I, I don't know where you were going with that. <laughs> Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin the Man? Man? The Muffin Man! Yes, I know the Muffin Man. <laughs> Who lives on Drury Lane? Well, he's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! He's ma- she's married to the Muffin Man. <laughs> I love the guy who voices Farquaad. He's that guy from Third Rock from the Sun yes. slash, slash Interstellar. But he's nowhere near as dramatic or flamboyant as he is in Interstellar. But, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, I love Lord Farquaad. And, and again, going back to these human characters, if it weren't for their voice actors, like these characters would really th- fall flat. Yeah. Thelonious, though, is forever. I love that guy. Three, pick, pick number three, me lord. <laughs> That, that was Christopher Knights, who was a, uh, who I interviewed recently, and he was the voice of Private the Penguin for Madagascar. Really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Ooh. He also did the Three Blind Mice. There's a lot of, of the filmmakers that made appearances. I mean, Cody Cameron, who was the storyboard artist. Yeah. He voiced that one. Well, yeah, as Chris Knights explained in our interview, and I won't spoil it, but he basically said that they had this scratch audio that the artists themselves did, and, and eventually they, Really, either couldn't find anyone, or they thought the voices were just good enough, and so they let they uh, stayed with it. I like that. I like that a lot. Of course, you have to become a you have to sign up for the for the Screen Actors Guild right afterwards. Right, it's a requirement. But but anyway, um, yeah, I I love the scene where he brings in the uh, the mirror, the magic mirror. <laughs> That's another classic fairy tale trope. It's just they never stop. That's what's so great about this movie. It's like when you think they've hit everything they could hit. 
Nope, we got the magic mirror. And then we got the match game. <laughs> and here they are. Bachelorette number one is a mentally abused shut-in from far, far away. Her <laughs> hobbies enjoy cleaning and cooking for her horrible stepsisters and stepmother. <laughs> and uh, Farquaad's just eating this up, you know, because he's that kind of guy. I really like Lord Farquaad as a, as a villain. I, I, as I was watching it this time, I kind of had forgotten that the whole pun and the whole thing about him is that he's short, you know? And so there's all these kind of adult reference jokes that they make, like, oh, maybe he's compensating for something. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Or just the fact that he's super short and, um, you know, that's that first entrance where he's walking in and you don't realize it. And then he walks through the doors and he's, ridiculously short i love his custom suit of armor for when he's riding a horse he has arm (laughs) and leg extensions and fiona's face it's like uh when you when you finally meet the guy that you've been talking to on tinder in person (laughs) it's kind of like that oh (laughs) (laughs) anyway do like is do like is a perfect place okay it's blatantly disneyland yes There, you know, as we're talking about this, there are actually quite a bit of Disney references. Yeah, there like, really are. It's not just one or two. It's like every other joke <laughs> is a Disney joke. I love the dude in the Farquaad suit. He has to go through the whole line to run away from Shrek. <laughs> that was so a great guy. Great, this great scene of Shrek walking towards the screen, just like plowing through the ropes, and the guy's still trying to cross it. And he's like, ah! 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 <laughs> It's so funny. That was a great, great gag. Well played. So, okay, then we get into the Duloc singing booth. And this was another one of those classic, (laughs) iconic Shrek moments that when you think of just a handful of things from Shrek, you think of this. It's just so bizarre, so hilarious. Keep your face off the grass. Wipe your... Shine your shoes. Wipe your face. So you could take the lyrics from that Duloc song and it goes, it matches exactly up to It's a Small World After All. Like, it's not just a musical corruption of it, it's a lyrical corruption of it. Nice. And then the photo at the end is priceless. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, where Shrek's, this is where Shrek's facial rigging really shines because just his face is like, WTF was that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> And then they, they have this great tournament, and Farquaad's great at delegating. Like, he's one of those delegating villains. He's like, no, I'm not going to go save Fiona. I'm going to have a tournament, get the winner to rescue Fiona for me, and if he should fail, the runner-up will go in his place, and so forth and so on. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> he's so rotten. And then he's like, knights, new plan. The one who kills the ogre will be named champion. Have at him. And then, guess what? Oh, girl, you are now champion. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is Can't not we going to settle this over to paint? <laughs> My, the um, chair! The Give him the chair! chair. <laughs> I know. Every KO, it's like MLG Shrek. <laughs> you know, just like mowing down those those evil knights. While I was looking at the um, the set of the tournament and stuff, there's these blue banners with a big white F for Farquaad. I'm like, mm, they're like evil Facebook logos. <laughs> totally. The great thing I love about Shrek is that he just wants people off his land. So Shrek is very like anti-squatter, very pro-property rights. <laughs> you know, Shrek is very much rebelling against the government that just l- lets anyone 
you know, that just relocates people to his private land. So, yeah. you know, I can, I can appreciate that. What did I tell you about singing? Well, can I whistle? Mm-mm. Well, can I hum it? Fine. You can hum it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm just, I'm not even watching the movie. I'm just laughing, thinking of all these great lines. <laughs> and in the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> Yeah, Donkey's got some really great lines. He's like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. I mean, you don't know me and I don't know you, so <laughs> here I go, out the door. I'm all alone. <laughs> There's no I one here. <laughs> so as we're on our way to the castle, they have this conversation as they're journeying through the wilderness, basically, and it's about layers. It's like, ogres are like onions. Why? Because they make your breast smell bad? No, Layers. Ogres are like, yeah. Anyways, I can't do a great <laughs> Mike Myers slash Shrekless. I can try it, my darndest. Anyways, it's just it's a that's another good like classic moment. Just think of Shrek. They're layers, duh. <laughs> well, and it's more than just that though. It really does enter the theme of that holds the whole story together. And if it were not for this little part of him where he's trying to explain, you know. Things are not always what they seem. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm more than just a crazy, crazy evil uh, ogre that's going to kill you. It's I am different. I have feelings. And so that is really what holds the story itself together and why I really enjoyed the movie itself. Yeah. Well, because at first you think it's just about Shrek and how there's more to him than meets the eye. And that's pretty standard and typical. And then we learn Fiona. There's significantly more to her than meets the eye. First, you think she's a damsel in distress. Then you realize she's actually pretty capable and she knows has nunchuck skills and kung fu skills. And and then you realize on top of that, she has this curse and and there's even more to her. So uh, granted, she kind of is part ogre so there's lots of layers <laughs> that come with the territory but even with you know donkey there's layers to him and um i think they i just like the way that this theme of layers is able to transcend multiple characters in a just kind of an unexpected way and i think the whole the whole thing that makes this movie different and so iconic and great is everything about fiona She's the real reason we watch this show. <laughs> well, yes, yes. No, but Fiona is not your typical princess, and she actually has like an, an anti-hero's ending, right? Like yeah. the anti-fairy tale ending, where yeah, she's gonna the curse is gonna be lifted, and she'll be beautiful forever. And the toes, you know, <laughs> jumping to the end. I mean, that's not what happens. The curse doesn't happen the way that she thinks it should, which. Uh, really flips everything on its head, um, which we will get there. We will get there. But right now we are arriving at the castle and we got this rickety bridge. <laughs> That'll do, Donkey. That'll do. Like that one, that, oh, the that inclusion moment. of that moment From just made babe. me so happy. We looked at each other in that moment in the theater. We, we totally just, did. This was our moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Except for I did not say yes back in. 2001 <laughs> or a Morgan nowadays thing. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, we have this fire breathing dragon and it, even that flipped on its head. It's a girl dragon. Uh, I mean, of course you're a girl. So they split up and Shrek goes to save the princess and donkey handles the dragon, which you realizes is a girl. And that's actually pretty easy to handle because she starts, you know, falling in love with him and just, <laughs> 
fawning over him, basically. But then, you know, Princess Fiona is so funny in this moment because, first off, I don't know what she's been doing. That's the most boring tower. <laughs> right. That's all she's had is that same bed. And then, well, where did she get those flowers? That's my Who question. Knows? They're, Who knows? They're just fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't afford real ones to bring up every day. So fake ones in case somebody came. And so she's so excited. She, you know, you know, getting the wrinkles out of her dress and smoothing everything out and getting everything perfect and laying, waiting for a true love's first kiss. And no, that's not what happens. <laughs> oh, he shakes her up. And then they, he's like, wait a second. You're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to come in sword blared and, and fight the dragon. That's what all the other knights did. Yeah. It worked out really well for them, didn't it? <laughs> and that's like a, ooh, so true. Moment. Yeah. But you look at around, there's a lot of knights that have tried th- to make this same quest. Mm-hmm. There's got to be at least a couple hundred. And I'm thinking, dang, girl. Sad. Yeah. Got to make you feel good, though. You know, at least that many people <laughs> died trying to win your heart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely does something for the uh, self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> You're still lonely at the end of the day, but that self-esteem is <laughs> real high. <laughs> wah, wah. So what do you think about Cameron Diaz as as Fiona? Well, at the time, she had just started doing, she had just come out with Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. And so she was a big name. She was hot. She was a hot commodity. Uh, they actually had a different person set as when Chris Farley was doing it, they had somebody else playing her. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> that was just not meant to be. It just wasn't meant to be. But they, they took her off and, and put on Cameron Diaz. And it's like, the reason why is because Cameron had, you know, she was a hot commodity, big name. And she also had a good voice. She had a good way of emoting herself. You really felt it. You're like, yeah, I, I believed her. Yeah, she yeah. really got that princess voice down, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's high. It's in a, a decent register and pitch, and but it's it's slightly modern. Where well, is it modern? Yeah, I guess it's modern. It's definitely no. She kind of Snow White. No, she kind of drifts back and forth on the. I think if thou art my rescuer, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, back to <laughs> medieval colloquialisms. So after that, I love the scene where they're get they're running out of the castle. And it's oh, just the, the slow motion. Slow bow. That is such a cool scene where it's the slow and then it speeds up. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes. I think it's just, just, there's a lot of really great moments that I don't think this film is known for its cinematography and, or any way, shape or form, but that's a scene that stands out to me. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So they, so they get out of the castle and, uh, she realizes, oh crap. When does she realize that he's an ogre? It's after they leave or? Yeah. yeah outside. He's, he's wearing. I don't know the, uh... how she couldn't see that he was clearly <laughs> not human. Yeah. Well, maybe she hasn't seen a few humans in a while. Yeah. 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 But then she's like, no, I'm going to sit right here. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> yeah. She's fighting at first and then we start getting into the montage. She's already like quit struggling. Okay. For, okay. Backtracking for one, as a kid, I totally did not get Fiona's like curse. I thought she was just being like high maintenance because she really wanted to sleep in a cave instead of out out in the open. Mm-hmm. But the scene where Shrek and Donkey are talking and looking out at the stars, and I really like that scene because it kind of exposes a little bit more of Shrek's layers, you know? Yes. And his personality and vulnerabilities, like you know, um, 
the line, you know, they judge me before, before they even know me. Yep. And you really see that it's not that Shrek really wants to keep everyone out. It's just that no one lets him in, you know, and he really does resent the fact that um, that he doesn't fit in anywhere or mm-hmm. with anyone. The musical actually yeah. does a really good job at showing you, like, from the age of a small ogre, <laughs> how he was totally uh, pushed out of every circle and just, like, felt really left out and ostracized. I was like, aww. But where were the other ogres? In Shrek 4, there's a whole tribe of ogres. Yeah, I don't know. Well. I guess, guess we gotta watch <laughs> 2, 3, and then it get to 4 <laughs> so we can Robert. find out. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so there's all that, and, um... Yeah, I like that scene because it kind of kind of reveals a little bit more about Shrek's character, and then kind of brings in the whole um, you know love interest theme thing with Fiona and stuff. There were a lot of people online who were like, oh, "Well, why couldn't have Shrek just stayed an ogre and Fiona stayed a human, and they could have fallen in love?" <laughs> You're like, honey, <laughs> you're from two different worlds. <laughs> they're from two different worlds. Uh, Chelsea and Morgan's favorite quote <laughs> it never gets old no it does not and viewers if you think that is getting old i'm sorry because it will <laughs> never get old for chelsea and i we'll put a poll up on rotoscopers.com i will in the show notes on rotoscopers.com <laughs> have you had enough of this line i mean the link to that video because if, if you think it's getting old but you don't know the reference then no that doesn't count so get ready guys <laughs> back to the story yeah what i like about shrek is that like you're saying this is like a really uh emotional scene there's a, more layers that we get to see of shrek but it just shows that there's more than just fun and games to this film you know it's not just a bunch of gags not a bunch of jokes it's there's heart and there is character development and shrek is a cool character shrek has so much going on internally that we're slowly just getting to see like again it's all about layers with this film. As, as the only like truly competent character in this in this film, like we really start to feel for Shrek, you know, in this moment. And um I just love the theme of, you know, how does someone how does an outcast like Shrek find love, you know, through a magic spell, you know, of course. In that in that case it's it's like very cool that it's an anti uh fairy tale because Shrek's not like the heroic, you know, good-looking protagonist you know like your aladdin type you know who eventually finds love i don't know when a movie can get you to emote that much with such an ugly character well uh, so is he a hero or is he an anti-hero Ooh, i think he's an anti-hero who turned into a hero yeah definitely and that happens a lot sawyer on lost at first you know he he was just doing the right thing because of selfish you know kind of non-virtuous motives but at the end you know, he saved the day for love and to, for friendship. For love and friendship! Yeah! And rightly so, because Fiona's really cool. Fiona is the bomb. Like, we t- already talked about Cameron Diaz being an awesome um, voice actor, but I, she's just really cool when, um, you know, she walks out. Well, this isn't a cool part of her, but again, they're playing on this fa- fairy tale trope. The princess that sings to the birds. She's gotta sing to the bird, and the bird has to sing along. <laughs> and then she takes the eggs. Exactly. Oh, yay! Completely unexpected that that moment is gonna happen, and then you see the eggs, and you're like, oh no! And again, 
flips it on his head. Breakfast. <laughs> yep. Because you automatically think that there's going to be some type, like, they're going to raise the eggs or something like that. <gasps> oh, at least that's what well, I thought. Well, maybe you shouldn't judge people before you get to know them. You know, and then in flies Robin Hood, who's such a jerk in this film. He's not even culturally, culturally consistent. He's like a French dude whose storybook was originally written in England, and he's they're doing river dance. Yeah, he's all over the place. Hot oh mess. Gosh. Basically saying that he likes to get paid. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Here comes a Mason beef. Beef away. Beow, 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 beow. We need yeah, like little um, musical cues for like Mason conspiracy moments, you know, Mason beef moments. Anytime Mason- when Mason makes a fool of himself by getting like really into a passionately into a certain topic. Exactly. So okay, someone, I, one of our listeners wants to create this musical cue for us. Send it our way. We'll start using it. You can use that Kill Bill uh, sound sound bite. Anyway. Uh, I hate arrow wounds in movies when a guy gets shot by an arrow or like a, like a dart and it's, it's not necessarily a mortal wound. There's this, always this part where they fall right down on the spot where they got shot. That would be so painful. Like if you got shot by a tranquilizer dart and then the guy always falls forward. Do you know what that would do to you if you fell forward on a dart? Anyway, it would hurt. it's always unrealistically portrayed in Hollywood and just like in Shrek where, um, you know, they have to do the, ooh, they're rolled on top of each other shot, you know. and uh, But he's rolled on top of his butt, which has an arrow sticking through it. So in that moment, the shaft of the arrow is sticking about a foot and a half into his flesh. Yeah, yeah not a pretty picture. But mm-hmm. they just, like, must, they just, like, you know, they just skip over that, that blocking. Well, I think and, the fact uh, that they can get away with it because he's not human and he's way more cartoony than any you know, than Fiona. So it's like, really, who knows what his butt's made out of? Maybe it is just some sort of gelatinous, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but mass. the thing is, is that the arrow didn't, didn't, it, the arrow, the gra- the weight of his body didn't push the arrow through. It just, they, it just the animator just acted like it disappeared. Because yeah, when Fiona grabs it out, that. it was just the point that was in his, in his butt. Yeah, yeah. But you see that in movies all the time. Some dude gets shot by a tranquilizer dart and he's like, oh no, everything's going black. And he like falls forward. Onto the dart. Mm-hmm. It's like that's totally unrealistic. Mm-hmm. That would really hurt. <laughs> Let's anyway. hope it never happens to us. I know. I never want to be shot by an arrow, man. That's just being stabbed by something is ugh, one of my worst fears. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to be stabbed <laughs> or is okay with it. It's like Hotel Transylvania. If so, let us know in the comments. I guess. <laughs> just I do want. <laughs> I have a. I have a poison dart fetish anyway but it's like on um hotel transylvania where he's like hey so is, is all that true about like garlic and like being killed by a wooden steak and dracula's like yeah but who wouldn't that kill <laughs> <laughs> i liked how this whole movie i mean as i mentioned before even though it has such a, a big focus on gags it still does have that clear theme and it's very well played throughout the whole thing well played well played yeah, and then we st- slowly start to see that Fiona isn't really what she seems. She started out as a primp and proper princess, but as she kind of relaxes around Shrek and lets down her guard and stuff, she's actually very similar to him, like mm-hmm. bl- snag- snatching a snake out of a tree and blowing it up like a balloon. And, and like when she puts her mouth on the snake's mouth, I'm like, ugh, venom. Mm-hmm. And uh, those poor animal balloons, where did they go? They just flew off. Yeah. 
Maybe if they make Shrek 5, they'll, like, finally come down to land <laughs> at the end. <laughs> oh, well, I, current state of DreamWorks looks like Shrek 5 is nowhere near. In 2025. Thank goodness, though, because we'll be, we're, we'll we're be senior citizens when Shrek 5 comes out. I remember the first Shrek. <laughs> so then we have another night where they Fiona starts freaking out that she needs to go somewhere. Or what did she say the first time? Yep. I need you to get somewhere, me to somewhere to sleep now! Now, now, now! Well, it, it comes right after the point where he's like, I'm scarier than anything in the, that forest. <laughs> and they're both like, ah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but this time... Um, they want to stay the night because Shrek wants to spend more time with Fiona and he's secretly like not wanting to take her to Farquaad, you know? Well, she's, she's the one that was like, um, donkey, you looked horrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but, <laughs> oh man, I love it. Typical things that guys have to go through, you know, they're, they're just about to express their true feelings for a girl and then she's like, I have to go. You know, but when will I see you again? Never. But, well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> maybe tonight. And it's revealed that Fiona is not who she seems. <gasps> a liar. No, no. Anyone know what She's I was trying like, to quote there? <laughs> I don't think. Oh, sorry. that's, um, Lion King? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Murder. Murder. <laughs> oh, yep. You see, he admits it. You're guilty. Do you do yeah, Scar in uh, your 100 animated voices video? Uh, no, I can't do a good Scar. Oh. And I've tried so hard to do a grown-up Simba like I did on that one episode, <laughs> but that is just something that will live in infamy because I cannot do that anymore. That was a unicorn basin moment. <laughs> there's a there's a Timon cameo, though, in, in 100 voices. Nice. But anyway, um, yeah, so I like how Doggy just doesn't understand that the ogre is Fiona. He's like... Oh my gosh, you ate the princess! Fiona, can you hear me? Shrek! Shrek! He's so dense. And that's one of the things that makes Donkey so great. It's just he's dumb. Extremely naive. Yeah. You know, before this is over, I'm gonna need a whole lot of therapy. Look at my eye twitching. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. what do you guys so, think when you, when, I can't even remember my first thoughts when I saw this, but what were your first thoughts when you saw, oh my gosh, she's an ogre? What's this all about? I was just like Shrek. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I what my original thoughts were. I just remember knowing that this movie was one that every scene was something that kept you engaged, whether it was a a joke or whether it was a plot point or this. She's an ogre. The movie itself, everything had a good timing and great. It just kept you engaged throughout the whole thing. Yeah, totally. So, morning approaches. Uh, and Shrek gets so, uh, classic animated film misunderstanding. <laughs> it wasn't even a you lied to me moment, you know, it was more of a, well, I heard you say this, but I was really saying this, but I'm too thick headed to ask you what you really said. Mm-hmm. Drama. But yeah, so Shrek's had enough of, you know, he well, gets sad offended. because he's opened himself so much. And you he know, does love the, Fiona. The, the layer principle where he's finally opened the layers apart and peeled them away to his inner core. And he's willing to and expose no, that to like somebody everyone else. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nope. Just like yeah. everyone else. Back. Nope. Zip him back up. Nope. Just Chuck Testa. Yeah, so he's had enough. So he already brings Lord Farquaad, you know. 
<laughs> he's like, I don't know why you would waste waste an apology on him. It's not like he has feelings. You're right, he doesn't. Ooh, you cut me deep. Ouch. Yep. And uh, and then we get, she goes off, and um, just by looking at him, I don't know why she wants to marry him because Farquaad's kind of ugly. And um, we launch into the the sad sappy sequence when the characters in in Western storytelling have hit their lowest point by the end of the second act, and um. And we get our, our touching hallelujah sequence. Love that song, just in general, yeah. but especially in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really makes it work. And I, the layout department uh, did a really good way, uh, uh, you know, thing with the setting up the shots. I suppose editorial also had a lot to do with this, but paralleling the blocking of Shrek and Fiona when they're in their separate areas, you know, so that they appear to be in the same room, like they could be looking across from each other at the table, and that's kind of what they're visualizing, so... I like all that stuff. Except there's this one shot with like extremely fake looking fire in the fireplace. <laughs> like I don't know what Shrek throws into the fire. Maybe it was that sunflower or whatever, but it's, it's like basically superimposed video of, of a fire. And I'm like, what is this? The first Harry Potter movie? Well, but, um, I couldn't do it. You know, fire. Yeah. Well, they, they, they pulled fire off in, in How to Train Your Dragon. So yeah. it's all good. Eventually they get there. Yeah. Eventually they got there. Well, fire's tough, man. It has absolutely no pattern to it at all, if you really look at it. Anyway. The absence of pattern is a pattern. Whoa. Whoa. Too too deep for me. <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, of course, Shrek has this big cathartic event with the help of his uh, with his buddy. Because that's what friends do. They forgive each other. <laughs> Donkey gets brutal in that shot. But whenever I think about that exchange between Shrek and Donkey, I always think of the movie I Am Legend. Because Shrek is the only, one of the only movies that, that Will Smith's character has watched throughout the whole apocalypse, and so he knows every line. <laughs> so there's this part where, there's this part where, where other survivors come to his house and, and watch it. Will Smith's character is just standing there, uh, quoting the whole movie, and the kid's getting a little creeped out because it's like, this man knows all of Shrek. <laughs> so, I Am Legend kind of ruined it for me, but. I wonder if he knew all of the words to this movie before that movie and they just threw it in. Like, what's a movie that you know well enough that your kids have watched over and over and over that you'd be able to know? Uh, no, Shrek. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to know if that was true. Yeah, yeah. So Shrek's got to go bust up the wedding. The big You want to hold her? Please. Uh, <laughs> then you got to, got to have a little tenderness. <laughs> chicks, dig, chicks dig that romantic crap. Uh that's true. I can Thank totally you. see my husband's friend saying that line. Chicks dig that romantic crap. That's yes. <laughs> so, you know, they're 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 doing the wedding, typical stuff, and she's like, hurry, let's get this together. Let's hurry, you know, because the sun's going down, so she needs it to 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 have true love's first kiss. Which like I don't really it's like not even believable. And even to the audience, you know, they don't even try to make it seem like she cares. Um, that that is her true love's first kiss. It's just like, that's just anyone. Like, really, if here's a way that Fiona's dad could have just solved this whole curse, right? Okay, they found, ever since she was born, right, she's had this. So they could have just introduced her to boys during the day, and then whenever she found, had a crush, kind of really make that crush distance, distance yourself from the crush so it becomes for even more intense. So she's so in love with this guy, and then... Pay him to kiss her, and boom, true love's first kiss. Right? Am I right? Money's involved, no, apparently. No. And that way you don't have to send her away to a tower. You could have just 
locked her up at night. Well, and, and we don't where know are the, the s- parents at this wedding, okay? Well, you meet her parents. Um, you meet her parents in uh, the second one. And I forget what the relationship is between her parents because I don't know why they locked her in a tower. That's pretty mean. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fairy tales for you, basically. <laughs> oh, I think they I think they had to because um, it was arranged that her true love would be Prince Charming because in Shrek two, oh yeah, um, spoiler alert, people, but uh, Fiona's dad is the Frog Prince. That's right. And he made a deal with the fairy godmother to to, to keep him a human. It was kind of a true love's first kiss thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. I remember. And that. and but I didn't he know had the time to put her in the tower to kind of isolate her from everyone else, so that only Prince Charming could uh, could rescue her. I guess I don't know. I kind of forget the details because it's been so long. Yes, kind of convoluted. We'll have to do that movie soon. Okay, so, so let's wrap this up. It's uh, things that I love at the wedding. I love her rushing the wedding. I love the cue cards at the wedding. Uh, so good. Yes. And then my favorite, favorite, favorite part is the curse is broken. Hooray. You know, she kisses and there's just the total Disney knockoff ripoff moment of the beast trans- of the transformation. <laughs> she floats yeah. into the sky. And as Chelsea and I, one of our favorite quotes to say is the, the toes. toes. <laughs> she- extends her toes and light shoots out of the toes. I mean, there is not more of an obvious ripoff <laughs> than that. <laughs> but it's great. Not bad, not bad. And what's the big reveal? She's she's transformed into an ogre. An ogre. Oh. True love. What did you form. expect? She takes the she takes the true love's form. Yes, she did. It's part of the spell. And then oh. that all gets mixed up in uh in Shrek 2. But yeah, um, yeah, so, so they get married, you know. Boom. I thought love was only true and fairy tale. Oi! And I remember, I just remember loving this ending. Like, I thought it was so good. Now, if I were to watch it now, I'd be like, uh, well, I I watched it now and I still liked it, but if I was another, I think movies sort of did this where they all, for a while, there was a period of time where a movie just ended in, you know, dance party, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, one, yeah, once again, so oh, the karaoke is brilliant. But yeah, it definitely starts DreamWorks's long tradition of random dance numbers at the end of their films. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, animation fans scoff at DreamWorks for having it, but you know, Toy Story two did it first at the end of of that sure. one. True. Just saying. You got afraid of me. Yeah, just uh, remembered what your old pal said. Hey, when are we going to do Toy Story 3? Man, Gotta do it soon. So I rented it from iTunes and I didn't see the karaoke and I was really looking forward to it. I, th- I remember it was after the credits on the VHS. Yeah. Mm. It, wasn't... Spe- it was a special bonus feature. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> oh, those were so great. I just remember waiting and seeing all of those and just being so happy. <laughs> Do you really want to hurt me? Do you really want to make me cry? All right. So that basically does it for our discussion of Shrek. We are going to do our review, our rating in a few seconds. But first, I asked our listeners on Twitter what they thought was the most quotable quote from this film. I said, what is your favorite line from Shrek? 
Micah says the whole parfait bit. In fact, other than that, I don't remember that much. I remember the first sequel more. So he is a Toy Story 2, hmm. or not, he's a Shrek 2 fan. Dylan says, cause you got to, got to, got to try a little tenderness. <laughs> Stephanie says, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Very good one. Joshua Murr says, that's a nice boulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's Michael. We actually got a couple of votes for this one, but I hate it. Like, I hate it when you got someone in your face and you're trying to give them a hint. They won't leave. And then there's this, that big, awkward silence. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <stay> with you. <laughs> All right. And then last one is from Nathan T. Oh, well. Well, I'll I have that. to save my ass. What kind of night are you? One of a kind. <laughs> we can say it. It's biblical. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I'm pretty sure I know what this ne- what we're all going to be rating it. But Mason, go. Um. Okay. Dang. This is oh, so much pressure. Four and a half stars for Shrek. Um. Shrek is love, and Shrek is life, and um. It established an entire genre of anime film. Okay, there's been parody and there's been satire before, but never has there been a character that parodied fairy tales that you loved so much. Mm-hmm. as Shrek, the character. And so I think he's a tremendously excellent, well-written character. And I think this movie is uh, hugely influential. And studio, like, and after that, studio's new audience would watch, ir- like, irreverent parodies and, and, and anti-fairy tales. But this one was, like, the first big one, you know? Uh, you know, as far as animation goes. And uh, I think the technology still stands up today. I think the story is brilliant. And I think the music weaves in and out. And, of course, so many quotable lines. So, yes, four and a half stars for Shrek. It's nearly perfect. There you go. Chelsea? Um, I'm. If I would have given this a rating the first time I saw it, I would have given it five stars. It would have just been, like, over-the-top amazing. Um, today I'm going to take it about four stars. It still holds up as far as the story goes. Um, it does fall a little bit cause it's like, it's not quite as impactful. I mean, just because of the, of the references and everything like that. But, um, so for a new audience, they're probably going to see it and they'll be like, yeah, that's a good movie. It's like probably about four stars, but for, you know, if you're, you know, like in our generation, like that first time you saw it, it would have been a five, um, but I'm going to I'm going to go with 4 stars for right now. I'm going to give it 5 stars because I hadn't seen this movie in years, probably 10 years or so. And I had those initial feelings that I did when I first saw it in the theaters. And to me, you know, since I was basically taken back to 2001, I was laughing, every joke was hilarious. And you know, to be honest, there were a few things that dated it, but they didn't distract me at all, which I know people say they always like bash on Shrek and they say, oh, Shrek, so dated pop culture, pop culture references. It ruined it for all other animated films because they all followed. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought it was, it totally works for Shrek. Shrek is one of a kind, except for the other sequels. Um, I have to give it five stars. I was so blown away watching it this time that I, it's one of my favorite animated films. I have to give it five. Wow. A rare five star rating. I know. Look at that. Let us know in the comments under the show notes what you guys rate this. You know, does it hold up? Where would you rate it? Somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. 
from Maryland. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for about two years now. I love each and every one of your episodes. Um, Mason, I love your impressions. Um, I just finished your episode on The Secret of Nim, and I ordered it on Amazon, and I can't wait to watch it because I actually haven't watched it. Um, I noticed something pretty interesting. So the past year, there are a lot of films um, concerned with cultural folklore, cultural ties. Um, you had Kaguya, uh, Song of the Sea, and Book of Life, which were based on Japanese, Irish, and Mexican folklore, respectfully. And they came out, since they came out within a year, I just wanted to ask two questions. One, based on all the social movements and different happenings going on in, around the world, do you think exploring cultures is the next big thing in the animation industry, the next so-called renaissance, the focus point of the renaissance. Um, two, for any creators you bring onto the show, um, do you look at other what other companies are doing in terms of projects, ideas, and how do you use that information? Do you use that as guidance towards the direction you're taking with your own work? Do you use it as predilections or warnings to things to avoid? Just how do you kind of use outside influences, outside news to in your project, um, influences that come from outside your own studio, anything. So thank you very much, guys. Um, keep doing the great work. Bye. Okay, so Angela references some of the creators that are going to be coming onto the show for our story episode, which we are still waiting for a few more. We have a lot of uh, people who've expressed interest in sending us voicemails and their thoughts. So we're, we're holding off a little longer um, until we get there. So we are going to hold off on answering that question. But she mentions you know, there have been so many films recently that are so culturally inspired, um, uh, you know, Song of the Sea, Tale of Princess Kaguya. And just a lot of films are really focused on just like the culture of a certain region. You know, Moana specifically is, is an up and coming one. So do you think, guys, do you think that this is a trend that you will see continue? Um, films that are, you know, the main focus seems to be about a culture of a certain place. Possibly. Hmm. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we all go through phases as far as what people tend to gravitate to. And I think right now, is something like everyone's trying to be a little bit more culturally diverse or, you know, know more about different cultures and figure. I think it's great that they are and it's fun to see the different cultures that are being represented. So if they do it, I won't mind it, but I don't know. I think relating to that, I think one thing that they're going to be, because there's always been films about cultures, you know, Mulan was about China and Pocahontas was about Native Americans, although it didn't really do it that well, you know, but those go to show that I think nowadays there's there's a lot more uh, public interest in films that focus on culture. So if you're going to have, uh, for example, Honey Lemon, a Hispanic character or a Latina character, well, like why? It seems like there's a lot of focus in getting a voice actor who also comes from that background. You know, Moana, uh, they're really looking for 
someone who is of Polynesian descent in a way uh, to to voice that that actress. And while I do think that's a good thing, I think sometimes there can be too big of an uproar. Um, people get really upset when, you know, if, if Hero would have been, you know, a white kid. They, they would have gotten really upset. And like, I'm not one to talk because I'm white, but I, I've always said like in jobs, uh, or anything, I don't care whether you're a male or female or whatever. It's like the best person for the job. And I, I think sometimes if someone is not that culture, but they can play it really well, like why not? You know? And, and I don't know. I, I feel like that perception isn't the way most people think now. Most people try to go and find someone from that culture and they find the best person from that culture. Definitely to voice the character or to be that person in in a live action film or whatnot. So it's interesting kind of the, the new place where we're at in film and animation. Well, I can understand why in film they would do that way. Um, animation. It's like, meh. <laughs> I, yeah. Give or take. I'm fine. I mean, we've always had humans do dog voices. Are we saying we should no longer have humans do dogs? We can find <laughs> the best actual dog. <laughs> Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Dylan Mensis, and I saw that you were doing a review for Shrek, so I thought I'd just send in a quick voicemail. Shrek came out in 2001. I was about eight years old, so not hyper aware of the different animation studios out there. Mainly just Disney, Pixar. So going into this, I wasn't like, ooh, this is the new DreamWorks film I gotta see. I just kind of randomly went to go see it one weekend, and I loved it. I wasn't expecting a movie that lampoons basically what Disney has done for decades. It's one of those movies that has become very nostalgic, where like the lines people say and the sound effects ring in my ear with nostalgia, and I just love it. I also love the second one. Third and fourth, that's another conversation. I love this movie, other than the fact that it probably did start that whole animal or characters break out into song at the end of the movie and everybody has a party before the movie ends. Not really a fan of how that continued, but I do remember loving it back then. What I really wanted to talk about is that Shrek was my grandfather's, my papa's, favorite movie. He passed away a couple years ago, and whenever Shrek is on the TV, it always reminds me of him. So random how this was his favorite movie for some reason, but every single time he'd see another movie, whether it be action or romance or adventure or whatever, he'd go, that's good, but it's not as good as Shrek. Okay, Papa, not as good as Shrek. I don't know how you can compare Titanic with Shrek, but he would. Thank you, Rotoscopers. Keep on keeping on, and I hope you have an amazing 2015. Come on, y'all! Then I saw her face. Ha ha! Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. I'm my mind. I'm in love. That's all we have. Thank you guys for show notes for this episode. Be sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash 88. That's where you can find the links to buy Shrek. There's even a link where you can buy the four pack uh, of all the movies. It's anything you've ever dreamed of. You're happily ever after, if you will. Uh, but all the other links, if you just want to buy the Blu-ray or you want to rent it or iTunes, the CD, all good stuff there. Um, rotoscopers.com slash 88. When you are on social media, be sure to use the hashtag animatics. Or this specific episode, use hashtag AnimAddicts88. 
Also, for our next episode, we are going to be doing Kung Fu Panda, a little Chinese tribute, I guess talking about uh, cultural films. So send in your voicemails. Send them to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or send us an email, uh, not an email, a voicemail at 406-646-6575. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Morgan Stradling. Chelsea's at Chelsea Robson and Mason is at MasonSMTX. You can also find him at masonsmithportfolio.com and his lovely blog, thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. That boop 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 All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I had a blast. Basically, this was a blast from the past because I loved Shrek when it came out and rewatching it again. I feel like it had gotten old for a period of time. I'd watched it such so many times um, when it was on VHS, but I hadn't seen it in a while. I was really glad to relive it with you guys. You are the best. So until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. So shall we start? You want to take it off, Mason? Or so someone should whistle. That's how we should start it. Well, we should have Chelsea doing the, and I'll do that. Okay. Okay. This is going to be fun. And we'll just see where it goes. Oh, are you still sick, Chelsea? I still, yeah. Morgan might have to be our Fiona. Sad. I can, I can do whatever we need to. We can do two takes. Wait, I don't know the part. I can't even whistle that high. All right. Well, that didn't turn out as good as we wanted. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we didn't try, folks. <laughs> <laughs> We're like... <laughs> We're finally featured on iTunes and half of us are sick and Yay. our singing voices aren't good enough. And it's a disaster. Hold on. I have a dog that is barking like crazy. You. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. I don't even know what he's doing. Hold on. I'm. All Down, right. Jimmy. Continue without me. Back. Back beast. <laughs> I won't you. I mean, how much is a shilling? Not enough. Not so enough. Not... <laughs> Do they still use shillings? No. Let's not try to act like we are uh, We need that kid from the Toy Story 2 episode to come back. <laughs> William Jardine? Yeah, William. <laughs> Tell so- us, William. <laughs> that was my air horn sound effect. <laughs> what, are you not MLG, mate? I don't know what MLG means. Okay. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it's, it stands for Major League Gaming, and there's a ton of YouTube videos that make fun of Major League Gaming culture. Oh. And apparently Shrek is a big deal to them. I haven't unlocked why. But oh. if you just YouTube MLG Shrek, there's a ton of videos. That's NSFW, awesome. by the way. But anyway, so while I, I was watching... show notes? <laughs> while I was looking... Yeah, don't... I oh, think cool. parfaits are going to be the best parfaits. thing. <laughs> I don't know anyone who doesn't enjoy a good parfait. <laughs> Which, up until this point, I've never... I had a parfait in the sense that he's talking about. The only thing I'd have is a McDonald's. Right, you know, fruit too. and yogurt parfait. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, a peanut buster parfait from Dairy Those Queen. Too, man. Meet me at DQ, man. Uh-huh.